Well, thank you so much, Bevan, and good morning, everybody. Like Bevan said, my name is uh, Alex Barrett, and I'm the, the lead pastor of Ridgeview Church, which uh, we got started about uh, two years ago, and it was actually about four years ago that I, I last got a chance to speak to you about this new opportunity, and now we're kind of four years past that, and I want to today give you an update on what God has done and, and try to give you just some perspective of how we have been looking at the opportunities around us. Uh, first, I just want to introduce a little bit more about me and my, my family. I've been married to my wife, uh, Samantha, for almost 19 years, and she's right here on the second row. And we have three wonderful kids. Uh, we have Katie, Levi, and Jude, and uh, they have been a part of this journey uh, to planting a new church, and they really have been uh, in the trenches uh, with us. And so they wanted to come today to be able to see all what, what you guys have been doing. And we also launched Ridgeview with a team, and we called it a launch team, and it's fitting because they are the people that were helping us bring something into existence uh, that did not exist. And we had a team initially of eight people and uh, six kids, and then we added a couple more adults, and you'll see a picture of the team here on the screen. And these are normal, everyday people who decided to make a commitment to two years to really helping this new church, Ridgeview Church, get off the ground. Uh, they committed their, their time to do outreach, to meet new people in our community. Uh, before that ever happened, they made a commitment to move to the area of North Fontana. Uh, they decided that they were going to do all that they could with their schedule and their priorities to help this new church go. And this team was a mix of, of teachers, homeschool moms, people in higher education, people in film, carpenters, and all in between. And these are people that just decided there's a unique opportunity that we have to make a difference in a city uh, that is growing. And so the area of North Fontana is right off the 210 freeway. Uh, since we have moved there uh, almost two and a half years ago, uh, we have seen nine new communities that have broken ground and have literally built new houses and people are now living in them. Nine. And in any city, when you have that kind of growth, there's a tremendous opportunity to reach new people. And that's why we started this church. We really wanted to take the opportunity that we had to share the difference that Jesus can make in a life and invite people to that life. So I wanted just to give you those updates, but also I wanted to thank uh, each and every one of you, a part of Seabreeze Church. Uh, Seabreeze is a sister church of ours, and Seabreeze is also a contributing church that has helped us along the way. Uh, you guys have sent teams to help us as we got started with our preview services. You sent some teams to help us as we launched our biggest outreach we ever did, sports camp, uh, a year and a half ago. You also sent more funds to help us along the way as opportunities came. And so I just wanted to thank uh, personally, Bevan and Rebecca and the Seabree staff, and to thank uh, all of you for the ways that you have prayed for us, that you've helped us uh, move this mission forward. And so it really is an honor uh, to speak to all of you. And so today, the idea of, of resetting a church, resetting Seabree's, resetting an organization, I want to flesh that out a little bit and really share just from my experiences and our team's experience of how we have had the opportunities to reset our approach to things reset our, our attitudes, our priorities, our commitments. When you decide to launch a new church, you have to actually look at life completely different because like Bevan said, all hinges on will this survive? Anytime you start something new, you have this window of opportunity to reach people. You have a window of opportunity to take what is new and introduce that uh, to new people. 
But as you're talking about reset, there's something that kind of comes to my mind that I just want to speak on very briefly. And that's the idea of resetting and failure sometimes are tied together. It's January 31st. It's the last day in January. How many of you made New Year's resolutions? Like we like to do that? Some of you don't even want to raise your hand. You're like, no, I'm not even going to acknowledge that. Because what tends to happen, we make a reset in a new year. Like I'm going to approach my diet differently, my exercise differently, my discipline differently, my family, my relationships differently. And then like the days go by, the weeks go by, and usually by the end of the month, of the first month of the year, we've already experienced failure. The resets that we hope to happen sometimes don't. We, we had good intentions, but the change didn't happen. Or if you think of reset, sometimes you think of just how do I reset something and have a different approach with all that I have going on in my life? Maybe it's not failure. Maybe it's just where does this fit? How do I relook at something when I already have so much on my mind that I have to think about? I can find myself in both of those camps a lot. So today, the kind of big picture premise of resetting any organization and resetting any life, it involves risk. To reset involves risk. Well, why is that? Well, the definition of reset is this. It means to act in an instance or setting, adjusting or fixing something in a new or different way. Now, anytime you go about something in a new or a different way, there's a risk involved. It means that we have to think differently. We have to go about things differently. We need to adjust our expectations. We need to actually think before we've done something that we may be done for so long. So to reset involves risk, something new and something different. Now risk is also a very interesting word. I believe it's probably the opposite word of the one that we've heard so much the last three, six, and nine months, and that word is safe. How many of you have heard the word safe recently, right? Be safe, stay safe. That's what we're told. And certainly in this climate, there's an aspect of safety, which is very important. In the middle of a crisis, a health crisis, you, you do need to be wise. You need to handle yourself in a way that, that is safe. But sometimes the very word safety or being safe or staying safe can sometimes limit some of the change that we need to see in our life. And so I kind of want to flip the script. And instead of talking about safety, let's talk about what does it mean to actually risk? How do we risk, not in a reckless way, but how do we actually risk in a way that's going to make a difference? And again, I want to share uh, from my own life. And when we started Ridgeview Church, we pulled a team together like I'd shared, and this team was committed to a few things. And this was something that we had to keep coming back to and keep coming back to. It's the vision of why are we doing this? Now, if you've ever gotten into something new, you ask that a lot. Like if you want to get exercise and you begin to start running and you've not run before, about my, you know, minute two in your new run, you're like, why am I doing this to myself? Or if you've ever tried to cut carbs and you love carbs, any people who love carbs out there, see, now I'm getting the hands. Yeah, we, carb lovers unite, right? Anytime you're trying to cut carbs, you think, why am I doing this to myself? Maybe you don't want to speed on the freeway and you think, why am I doing this to myself? Any change that's different from the way that we've been doing it, you, you begin to question. And when we started a new church, those questions were still the same. Why are we doing this to ourselves? There's a cost that comes to reset. There's a cost that comes to doing something new. But the vision that we always had was this. How can we act with a boldness like we, we've never had before? 
How can we take initiative like we've never had before? And then how can we be a church that trusts God like we've never trusted God before? And those are the three themes that I want to highlight just of our journey of planting a new church. And that is to risk against passivity, to risk against fear, and to risk against holding back. And so I hope as we share, as I share some of the story of our church, that you'll learn this is more than just starting a church. Because you start a church and then once it's launched, it's launched and then it's over. What comes next? But this is actually about how do we reset and be a part of the greatest adventure to see lives changed? How can we reset to see light of the gospel of Jesus Christ come into the darkness? Because that is always having to happen. And we always need to reset and recalibrate so we can align with God's purposes. So I want to start with kind of the main theme that we tried to focus on the last two to three years as we launched this new church. And here's the first one, point one. Instead of passivity, we will take initiative. There's a part in all of us, whenever we try to do something new, it's very easy to hold back, to be nervous, and to kind of stand there and wait for things to happen. But when you start a new church, you actually cannot wait that long because like Bevan said, the, the stakes are there. You're, you're trying to survive. You're trying to reach people and you, you have to take initiative. And I want to share a theme verse that was kind of our focus since the beginning of launching Ridgeview and it's Isaiah 52, 7. It says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Now, there's a few things about this verse which stand out to me. The first is feet are beautiful. Sometimes when you read the scriptures, you're thinking like, okay, I got, you got my attention. Got my attention, God, because that's usually not the sentence I put together. But the, the reason the feet are beautiful here is not because of what they look like, but it's because of what the feet do. Notice what the feet are doing. The feet are moving. They're in motion. They have action to it. So that's the first thing. There's these feet that are beautiful because of what they're doing. They're moving forward. But then they're also bringing a message. And what kind of a message is it? It is a message that is good. So that's the second thing. It's not only feet in action, but they're bringing a message that is good. Now, here's what's very interesting about this season of life. I am not inundated in my life with good news. Most of the time, I'm inundated in my life with bad news. In fact, this morning, I was going to kind of look at headlines and use it as an illustration of how sometimes we can be so drowned out by the chaos of life that I looked at some headlines, and before I knew it, I had stopped my prep for this sermon, and I was sucked into the bad news I was reading. So I became the very illustration I was wanting to communicate Bad news is everywhere. Bad news gets our attention. Bad news draws us in. But when you're a follower of Christ, we are the messengers of good news. In fact, we are the messengers of the best news possible. And that is the best news that the verse says at the end, that, that there is salvation found in God who reigns. 
Salvation meaning that despite our sin, despite what we've done, we can find forgiveness through Jesus. We can actually have the greatest restart ever. Despite the fact that we've gone our own way, through God's grace, we can reset and have new life in him. That is the best news that everyone is longing for, the best news that they hope for. But in this passage, that's not even it. There's also a sense of which God's people can take initiative to bring peace. And that is the, the Hebrew word shalom, which you may have heard before. And that, that word is this idea of there's this wholeness, there's a completeness. That's the idea of life can come together for people when they turn to God for help. Not only can they have salvation, but there will be blessing in this life when life is whole. Not perfect, but it comes together. And that's the promise that we have as God's people. You drown out the bad news as you bring the best news. And that's the news of Jesus Christ, the salvation that's found in the God who reigns. So that's the first thing that we experienced. Okay, well, how do we bring this good news to people? And what that meant for our team was that we would not wait for people to come to us. We'd have to go to people. And what, as a team, we'd always talk about is we are the initiators. In every circumstance we find ourselves, we'll not wait for people to initiate with, our, with us. We'll, we will initiate with them. What that meant practically is we started a new church. We were new neighbors in a community that people had been neighbors for years and years. And we threw a block party for our neighbors. Isn't that kind of interesting? We're the new people, but part of it is in the culture that we live in right now, Everyone is to themselves. There's distance that exists between people. And if you want to follow Christ and bring the good news of Jesus, you have to be a bridge builder and you have to be one who takes initiative. And so we came into our new neighborhoods where we live to start a new church. And it began with how can we take initiative to these people all around us? And we began to host different events and different parties. We began to invite people in. And it was one of the funniest things I'd ever seen where as new neighbors, we are introducing neighbors that have lived by each other for years to each other. Like they've lived there seven years and they've never met. But that's part of what you can do. When you initiate, you can bring things in existence that have never happened before. And so we threw all sorts of parties. We, we extended ourselves with invitations. We put door hangers on doors, let them know we are a new church and we want you to be a part. We invite you. In fact, we're here for you. I want to introduce you to a, a family. This uh, is a picture you'll see on the screen of, of Brandon. And Brandon was the first person that came to Christ at Ridgeview Church. And this was before our grand opening. It was December of 2018. And Brandon got a door hanger. He lived in the neighborhood where our new church was meeting. And the fact that a church came to his neighborhood, he saw it as a sign from God. It's really a powerful thing when people start thinking there are signs from God. And he got this door hanger and he went inside and he told his wife, he's like, this church is just coming to our area. We need to go check it out. So Brandon became part of our church and he began to want to help us get launched. And he was not a follower of Christ, but he loved the events that we're doing. He loved our services and every single thing that we were doing, him and his family came to. And then in December of 2018, he decided that he had been looking for purpose and meaning and never found it. His comment was, I go to work, I come home, 
and then I wake up and I do it all over again. And his life was, was empty. There was something he was longing for. And Brandon committed his life to Christ. He decided to surrender his life and follow Jesus. His wife, Corey, had grown up in the church, but had actually fallen away. And this last August, she rededicated her life and was baptized at our church. And Brandon was baptized a few months before that. Their son, Cohen, had been coming around Ridgeview since the beginning as well. And he committed his life to Christ. And so part of just this risk by taking initiative instead of being passive, you can see lives, families, and generations changed. This is just a reminder. When we take initiative, God works. When we, bridge, build, when we build bridges, God helps us move to people. So here's a question that we continually asked ourselves as we talked about initiative, and it's this. What can I see say, or do? If you want to take initiative in your life, this is the question you can always ask. What is going on around me? Where is God working? And how can I open my eyes to see it? And the second is, with what God is doing and what's going on around me, what are some things that I can say to bring hope and peace and life into a situation? What is it that I can actually say? What can I see? What can I say? And then the last is, what can I do? Is there an opportunity to serve? Is there an opportunity to, again, close the distance that exists between people to serve and love those around us? So that was the first lesson. Instead of passivity, we will take initiative. The second is this. Instead of fear, we will choose boldness. Now, I don't know if you've ever started anything. Certainly, we want to change. We do that. There's a lot of fear that exists in my life when I do new things, and certainly the most fear I've ever experienced was starting a new church. It's the type of fear that kind of wakes you up in the middle of, night, of the night. Have you had that type of fear before? Like where you wake up, and all of a sudden, you get really nervous because you see how dark it is, and you know it's not wake-up time yet. Speaking of waking up, that will wake you up. You're asleep. Welcome to Seabreeze. We're so glad you're here. But instead of fear, we will chose boldness. For, for me personally, when we started the church, like Bevan mentioned, there were just some nagging things that kept cropping up in my life, like, how will this work? Have you ever been up against something and you ask that question? Maybe it's just change that you long to see happen in your life, long to see happen in your kid's life, long that you see happen in the community, wherever you find yourself. How is this change going to happen? And I'd wake up sometimes 3, 3.30, 4 in the morning by the darkness outside, like it's too early, but my mind would start racing and I just couldn't fall back asleep. And so much of it was fear. And for about 18 months when we started the new church, it was just the same thing. I'd wake up, wake up, my mind is racing, my mind is racing. What about this person? What about this event? Who will do this? And then the, the question of a new church you always ask, will anyone show up? That question is always real. Will anyone come to what we're doing? Will anyone care about what we're doing? And so for me, when I experience fear, it usually shows up in two ways. The first is I can be hasty to solve my own problems. How many of you would consider yourselves problem solvers? You like to solve problems. Now, how many of you are married and been told that before? You like to solve my problems. 
As husbands, sometimes that we can get into that mode if you're married. We kind of like to solve our family's problems. For me, what happens when I experience fear is I want to solve problems and I want to be hasty and as quick as possible to solve it. Now, some of that can be good in a crisis, but some of it also, hastiness is I'm just going to figure out the quickest solution, maybe not the best solution. So when I'm hasty, I'm looking for a quick fix, maybe not something that's, that's wise. So that's how it shows up beginning for me. Fear, I get hasty to solve my own problems, on my own power, on my own terms. The second is I just run away. Now, I probably don't physically do that, but in my mind, I can check out. There's all sorts of holes that I may see, and it's easy to run from a problem. Have you experienced that in your life? It's like this just jumbled mess of all sorts of tangled string and yarn, and you just look at it, and you're like, you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to act like I didn't see that. That's how life feels, a tangled mess that we'd rather just move away from. But when you try to reset, you actually have to move towards the mess of things. In fact, there is so much ministry that's in the mess of life. And so as I was battling my own fears and my own hastiness and my own running, God gave me a word. It's a few verses from what I shared with you earlier in Isaiah 52. And this is a promise to God's people. Specifically, this was written to the, the Israelites. And notice this promise from God. He says, but you will not leave in haste or go in flight. When all your circumstances are mounting against you, when you're entering a circumstance where it's, it, you don't know what to do, the promise is, you will not leave in haste or go in flight. For the Lord your God will be before you. The God of Israel will be your rear guard. This is such a powerful picture. It means as you're breaking new ground and you're restarting and you're moving forward, you're not going to a territory where God has never been. In fact, God is there before you. You're not going alone. And when you go into this new territory, you know God is before you, but you look back and you know that he's also protecting you. He's before you and he's behind you. He is your rear guard. And notice the promise. You don't need to be in haste to solve your own problems. You don't need to run away in flight. And for us, when we launched a church again and again, we had to come to this point. Will I choose boldness instead of fear? Now, the great thing about the God of the Bible, the God that we can know, is that we don't just have to feel bold, but we actually can be bold by praying to him. If you want to know how to be bold in your life, it starts and ends with prayer. You invite God in to the unknown. You invite God in to the fear. You invite God into all that overwhelms you. And for us, as we launched the church again and again, we were faced with things that we didn't know what to do. The first was just how can we actually reach people and share the love of Jesus with them? So one, it's just a fear of how do I reach out? How do we extend and invite people and as a team, we would pray regularly for all the different places we would go to be able to meet new people, to invite them to the church. Early on in the church, I decided that I would be going to the gym to, to meet new people. And I went to the gym, and, and I'm like not a gym rat, in, in case you were confused. But I don't spend a ton of time at the gym. So I was kind of one of those people that I feel a little bit out of my element, and everyone's doing the things, and I don't want to be that guy that doesn't know what they're doing. 
And so everyone's working out, and they all know what they're doing except for me. And I'm just like, oh, I'm not going to meet people here. This is real. And I'm doing kind of the workout by the walk. Like, what'd you do? I kind of walked from one equipment to the other. Just kind of had the walk, like, this is so awkward. What am I doing here? And I was so discouraged, and I decided I would just end on one of those little ab machines. And I'm doing my workout. I'm thinking, God, I don't know what I was thinking. This is a bad idea. And all of a sudden, this conflict erupted between two men at the gym right by me. And I'm like, oh, well, I may see some fireworks. Like, it was like, wow, okay, this is, this is getting crazy. And they're, they're getting into, like, this fight. And it was kind of leading to this altercation. I was like, oh, man, this is not what I expected. I just wanted to meet people, say hi. Like, what you doing? What you working out with? But instead, like, chaos was erupting around me. And so I'm just just doing my workout, just looking forward, just don't make eye contact, don't make eye contact. And then the conflict kind of settles down a little bit, and I'm just minding my own business. That's gym life. You just mind your own business, even though I'm there to meet people. Mind your own business, mind my own business. And all of a sudden, the man in the middle of this conflict says, was I out of line there? And, and I'm just, is he talking to me? I think he's talking to me. Say something, Alex, say something. And all I said was, yeah, I think you came on a little strong. I was like, I've never said that in my life. What did I even, that was like a weird phrase I even said. And I'm just, you know, and he's like, you think so? I was like, yeah. I think you kind of like escalated the conflict. And so we begin talking. He's well, what, you know, we're talking, well, okay, well, that, that's helpful. You think I should have handled that differently? It might have helped. And he says, what, what do you do? And right when he asked it, I was like, oh, this is about to get interesting. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a pastor. And he literally was like, oh, God. And he just, it was like the worst news he had ever heard in his life. Like he'd been running. And God had found him, right? And his name is Paul, and there's a, a picture of Paul, I think, here. And he had come to our church. This is him and his girlfriend. And Paul had been running from God for so long in his life. And in that moment, that began a relationship that we, we began to have. And he would call, and he still calls everyone so when we talk about things. He's not yet decided to follow Jesus, but he's investigating He's dealing with loss in his life, hurt and pain and suffering, all the things that we all deal with, and he's trying to make sense out of that. But it was in that moment that I was kind of filled with fear that God provided boldness and, and he worked. And that's what he does again and again. When we started Ridgeview Church, we did not have like the prototypical, here's how you start a church. We didn't have a worship leader, just in case you didn't know. Like, that's important. If you can imagine Seabreeze, without a worship leader and all of you singing yourselves. Kind of scary. We started a church without a worship leader. We started a church without kid space. Also important. Place where families could drop off their kids and we're like, hey, we've got easy ups. Little did we know how that training would help us in this new season. But we started the church in so many circumstances where it was not ideal. But again and again, we came in a situation where, God, we do not know what to do. We are full of fear. And he would give us boldness. And he provided a worship leader. He provided kids space. Here's a funny, fun story as well. We were in need of a box truck where we could store all of our equipment because every week we have to pull our stuff in, we have to pull our stuff out. And we were renting a U-Haul. And we were kind of taking all of our equipment out and then taking the U-Haul back and then re-renting it. And, and in one of my updates, I talked about the need for us to buy a box truck. And Bevan had actually gotten in contact with me and said, Seabreeze Church would love to help you buy a box truck. And they wrote a check for us. 
Brandon, the man I introduced to you at the beginning, his cousin came to him at the business where he worked and said, hey, we need to get rid of our box truck. All of a sudden, it's like, whoa, God's working. We needed a box truck. We were given money for a box truck, and then a box truck came available. And do you know what his cousin wanted to sell the box truck for? The exact amount of the check that we received from Seabreeze Church. Doesn't God do that kind of thing? In the middle of our fear, he works. In the middle of our doubts, he gives us boldness. And the final point is this. Instead of passivity, you, you take initiative. And instead of boldness, you, or instead of fear, you choose boldness. You, you pray and ask God for it. And the last one is, instead of holding back, we are going to give it all. And what I've witnessed as we've launched Ridgeview Church, a group of people that came together from various backgrounds that were ordinary people that decided they would give it all to help a new church get started. They sacrificed their time, their resources, their very lives to start something new that hadn't existed. And again and again, we were reminded of this proverb or this promise in Hebrews 10. It says, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. The confidence that your faith in God will, will pay off, that God will not forget you. He'll not rip you off. Then it says in verse 36, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what was promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. Verse 38, but my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. There are so many times when we look at all the opposition and all the things in our way and all the obstacles where it's so easy to take a step back. It's so easy to hold back. And again and again, we were faced with those realities like in this opportunity, will we lay it all down and give it all? And I've talked a little bit, a little bit about fear and I just want to talk about two more things that are a struggle against this reset through risk. And it's this, discouragement and disappointment. For so many times for me, my progress of holding back and just kind of wanting things for myself were catalyzed by those two things, discouragement and disappointment. Discouragement is that idea of it's not worth it. It's not making a difference. I don't know if you've ever thought that before. But you do something, you just think, this, it's not worth it. And then disappointment is it's not what I want and it's not what I thought. Our expectations are different than what we see. And again and again, discouragement and disappointment are those things that just can tend to push us down. And they got our shoulders and they push us down, and they push us down. It's very hard to make progress. But what I love the promise of this verse in Hebrews is you know that we serve the God who in faith will help us. And we do not have to be the people that shrink back. Even when we're discouraged, even when we're disappointed, we can move forward in faith knowing that he will help us. That's our confidence. He will go before us. He will be our rear guard. 
And for us as a church, there's one final theme verse that I want to share with you, and it's Proverbs 11:25. This was the commitment that we made. Instead of holding back, we're, we're going to lay it all down. And Proverbs 11:25 summarizes this. It says, a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And this is actually really the, the core of what our mission is as a church. Our mission statement at Ridgeview Church is we want to invite people to refreshing life in Christ. We believe that the life, the best life, the most refreshing life is found in following Jesus. And isn't that what so many people need? Their life is dried up, burnt out, and they're just longing for refreshment. But notice that the beginning talks about this generous person, that the, these people will, will prosper. And that, that idea of generosity is I'm, I'm going to actually lay it all out. I'm not going to hold anything back. I'm not going to hold back my time. I'm not going to hold back my money. I'm not going to hold back my energy. I'm going to get in here, and I'm going to do all I can to bring this refreshing life to others. Now, if you're like me, you think about these, all of these things, there's a lot of risk involved, like I've described. There's a lot of moments where it feels like if we do this, what about us? And that's why I love this promise. Because if you are generous, your life will be prosperous. It will be blessed. And if you make a commitment to bringing refreshment to others, God will bring that back to you. So instead of passivity to reset, we will take initiative. Instead of fear to reset, we will choose boldness. And then instead of holding back, we will lay it all down to extend this good news of salvation to others. I want to share two final pictures which represents where we are now as a church, and this is Ridgeview at the park. And when we started Ridgeview, maybe hard to see, but all of those people uh, we didn't know yet, we hadn't met. And there's another picture here, and I love this imagery because you have a church that's surrounded by these great trees, and I think that just perfectly illustrates this idea of the seed of faith. When you reset to be a part of something that God wants to do, he grows it, and he provides the shade covering of the most refreshing life that you can have. So I can't wait to see what God continues to do with Ridgeview Church as we trust him. And I can't wait to see what God does with Seabreeze Church as you continue in this new season to look at how God can use each and every one of you to reach people in this community. So thank you for having me. I'm going to close us in prayer as the band comes up. Let's pray. God, thank you for this church, for the work that you're doing. Thank you for Bevan and Rebecca and the rest of the leadership, for the way that they are moving forward in faith to trust you to continue to reach people here in Huntington Beach and beyond. God, thank you for the promise of going before us, the promise of being our rear guard. God, show us the opportunities around us, what we can see what we can say, and what we can do. Show us, God, also if there's anything that we are holding back. Show us our fears and maybe our own attempt 
to reconcile them. God, will you speak to us right now, God? We, we need you to lead us forward. We need you to give us the boldness, the initiative, and the surrender that we need. And so we ask for your help. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray.